Greetings and welcome to another episode of Unpacking Islamophobia, a podcast project from the Bridge Initiative at Georgetown University. My name is Arsalan Iftikhar. I am a human rights lawyer, senior fellow at the Bridge Initiative and author of Fear of a Muslim Planet, Global Islamophobia in the New World Order. My guest today is Amira Al-Ghawabi, the first official special representative on combating Islamophobia for the Canadian government under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Amira Al-Ghawabi is a journalist and longtime human rights advocate who prior to appointment, her appointment was a contributing columnist at the Toronto Star and also a free, frequent media commentator as well. Uh, Amira most recently led strategic communications and campaigns at the Canadian Race Relations Foundation and she also previously worked promoting the civil liberties of Canadian Muslims for five years at the NCCM, the National Council of Canadian Muslims between 2012 and 2017. Amira, assalamu alaikum and thank you for joining us today. Alaikum assalam. Thanks so much, Arslan, for having me on the show. Uh, well, Amira, let's jump right in. Um, you know, in January 2023, uh, your Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, announced that he would be appointing a uh, special representative on combating Islamophobia, the first one ever, to tackle racism, discrimination, and religious intolerance faced by millions of Canadian Muslims every day. Uh, Justin Trudeau said, quote, diversity truly is one of Canada's greatest strengths, but for many Muslims, Islamophobia is all too familiar and we need to change that. Uh, so in their statement uh, appointing you, Amira, as uh, the special representative, they said that, quote, in her capacity as special representative, Amira Al-Ghawabi will fill the position to be an advisor, expert and representative to support and strengthen the government's efforts to combat Islamophobia, systemic racism, racial discrimination, and religious intolerance. Amira, my first question to you is, can you please give me some historical context and tell us a little bit about how this position came into existence in the first place? Mm -hmm. No, thanks so much, Arslan. So, you know, this position really came out of a very concerted advocacy effort from Canadian Muslim communities, in particular, from London, Ontario, where um, just two years ago, almost uh, you know, June 6th is, is the sad anniversary of a terrible you know, terrorist attack essentially on a multi-generational family, the Afsal family, who on June 6th, uh, 2021, were out for an evening walk and were targeted in a hate attack by an individual who you know, saw them walking in the street. They were visibly Muslim and you know, ran his truck into them, killing you know, a mother, a father, a grandmother, and a daughter, and leaving a nine-year-old boy you know, essentially without his family. Um, and that horrible, horrific and horrible um, attack, you know, of course, shocked the country, um, shocked communities. And, you know, it was really, it was very sad because it wasn't sadly the first time that there had been a massacre of Muslims in this country. In fact, as many of your viewers and listeners will know, in 2017, there was an attack on a Quebec City mosque where six worshippers were killed. Uh, where, again, an individual consumed by anti-Muslim hate uh, walked into a, a prayer room uh, at the mosque and, and shot indiscriminately, um, killing uh, those who were, who were there, six, six men, fathers, members of the communities. Um, and so, um, and even in between there, there was an attack on a volunteer caretaker at a mosque in Toronto that a lot of people don't even know about. And that individual who stabbed uh, the volunteer to death um, was in fact, you know, associated with neo-Nazi far-right groups as well. So 
sadly, when London happened, you know, brought the count uh, very tragic in this country to making Canada, you know, the number one G7 country where Muslims have been killed in deadly Islamophobic attacks and, and really led to a, a call on the federal government first to have an Islamophobia summit in which community members can talk about this type of victimization and, and attack and, and terrorizing of our communities. Um, and from that summit, we had a number of recommendations, over a hundred recommendations, among them was the creation of this office. And so, you know, the, the federal government committed to addressing uh, those recommendations and uh, posted for this position. I applied along with many, many other qualified folks um, and was appointed uh, in January to take on this role, the first of its kind, as you mentioned, um, and really to address uh, not only the type of Islamophobia that leads to the type of hate that can lead to these deadly attacks, um, as well as other types of hate attacks and incidents, but also to look at systemic Islamophobia within our federal institutions um, and to find ways to address that. That's fantastic. Um, you know, uh, Amira, your nomination, uh, as many people know, uh, was not without political controversy. And uh, in your opinion, how much of that was fueled by Islamophobia? And can you share with us a little bit about that experience for you? Well, I think it's important to understand that whenever we have talked about Islamophobia in this country and tried to bring forward awareness um, and to address it, whether it was with Motion 103 that was brought forward by um, Member of Parliament Ikra Khalid a few years ago. Uh, she brought it forward in 2016. It became a really controversial issue uh, right around the massacre in Quebec City, where people were not, you know, and elected officials were not necessarily accepting even the term Islamophobia. And that had a lot of contention and led to anti-Muslim rallies rallies rather right across the country where people sadly were trying to suggest that you know to address Islamophobia which is very important to articulate is about systemic racism it's about discrimination it's about viewing our communities as security threats it's not about shutting down free speech it's not about saying to folks they can't criticize Islam criticize all you want we're talking about racism and hate um, and yet those types of discussions really created a lot of controversy and a lot of backlash against our community simply for wanting to talk about this really disturbing phenomenon of Islamophobia along with other forms of religious discrimination. And so, you know, we've just sort of seen a, a, a continuous and, and ongoing sort of resistance to having this discussion. And only after the attack in London, Ontario, did we actually start to see uh, an acceptance of the term Islamophobia, of acceptance of the realization that we are talking about a fundamental form of hate and racism in this country that we have to address? So I think even in the creation of this office, we still see uh, resistance to the need for this work, but just as we would want to combat anti-Semitism, and there is a special envoy on anti-Semitism and Holocaust remembrance, just as we would want to address that phenomenon and other forms of hate, anti-Black racism, anti-Indigenous hate, anti-Asian racism, the list sadly goes on, we really do need to address Islamophobia in this country because it undermines our overall um, sense of uh, belonging 
uh, it undermines democracy. And it's just one of the many ways that there are different factions in our communities that are trying to create division and polarization. And so addressing any form of these types of hatred really is about addressing the social cohesion that makes our country strong. You know, um... I mean, looking at some of the challenges ahead, you know, as you know, millions of Canadian Muslims um, across your country face, uh, you know, challenges on a daily basis. Uh, on the legislative front, uh, for example, the debate over Bill 21 in Quebec, uh, known as the, quote, act respecting the laicite of the state, laicite meaning secularism, uh, still continues today. As you know, Canada's top court uh, has upheld most of the bill, which bars civil servants in positions of court authority from wearing religious symbols at work, which can include the hijab, the turban, a kippah, yarmulke, while at work. Uh, and in an August 2022 study found that three years of the aftermath of Bill 21 has a, had a, quote, devastating impact on religious minorities. And even Quebec federal judge Marc-André Blanchard wrote in an April 2021 decision that all of the, quote, evidence undoubtedly shows that the effects of Bill 21 negatively will impact Muslim women first and foremost and dis with disproportionate consequences. So Amira, uh, you know, as um, you know, the first special representative to on combating Islamophobia, in your opinion, what do you think are some of the challenges ahead for the work that you have to do in this position? No, I think it's it's so critical that um, this role is about giving voice to communities across this country to share the way that Islamophobia is limiting and holding them back from fully participating in public life, in, you know, in contributing. And so whether I was visiting with Muslim communities in Montreal, in Quebec, just th this past weekend, whether it's Edmonton and Calgary that I was at a few weeks ago, or London, Ontario, where the attack on the Afzal family happened, um, consistently across the country, what we're hearing is a real concern that Islamophobia um, is potentially keeping folks from, again, fulfilling their full potential. The worry about systemic Islamophobia in the workplace, um, in, you know, on transit, public transit, where, for instance, in Edmonton, we had um, a spate of very, very troubling and violent attacks on Black Muslim women who visibly uh, identify with a hijab. You know, I, when I was there in Edmonton, I'm still hearing from uh, Muslim women who are saying they're still scared to go out sometimes. In fact, they'll sometimes call their friends and want to go out in a group versus be out um, on their own. And so what we know is that hate crimes are message crimes. And sadly, the message is one of quite some concern, especially when we see data, for instance, that shows from 2020 to 2021, hate crimes targeting Muslims has gone up by 71% in this country. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because the majority of folks don't actually report. So I think what we see in terms of the challenges is how are we going to look for ways to address this? Um, what sort of strategies can we put together to combat this phenomenon? Um, and how are we going to, as I said, ensure that Muslim communities are able to express what it is they're concerned about, um, as well as be in allyship with other minority communities who are similarly struggling with issues of discrimination and hate that are similarly holding them back. You know, as a human rights lawyer myself, I want to unpack a little bit about, um, you know, the, the bias motivated attacks against Muslims in the last few years that you mentioned. Um, you know, as you mentioned in January 2017, uh, a 20-something uh, uh, Trump supporter uh, walked into a uh, mosque in Quebec City and shot and killed six innocent Muslims while they slept. Um, 
even though he couldn't vote in American elections, uh, the shooter was a huge fan of Donald Trump, uh, proudly posting selfies on social media while wearing the red, quote, Make America Great Again MAGA hats. Um, he had actually spent hours, according to Quebec City Police, searching on the internet for Donald Trump over 800 times. Uh, you know, another, uh, as you mentioned, the Avzal family who were brutally, brutally uh, mowed down by uh, a, a guy uh, simply for wearing ethnic Muslim garb. You know, people often think um, that he might, it must have just been like a road rage incident, but actually the police found out that the Avzal family actually were walking by this guy's house and he was sitting watching TV and he saw them in their Muslim garb, got out of his, uh, out of his house, went into his car and mowed them down. I mean, that is about as biased motivated as you can get. And so Amira, you know, um, as uh, you know, the special representative on combating Islamophobia, you know, what have you found that that is meant for Muslim communities living across the country? Uh, you know, my, my wife's family is actually, they actually live in Calgary, Alberta. So we know about all the Edmonton Calgary stories that are going on also. So when you visit these communities, um, you know, what are they saying to you as a government official in terms of what they view their future as Canadians moving forward? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a it's a it's a mixed bag of both hope and trepidation. So there is a lot of hope in the fact that the federal government has indeed appointed a position like this, created an office. I have uh, a budget uh, and a staff and a team that will be looking at, as I said, creating strategies to address this encounter Islamophobia and work with community. So there's hope that. You know this position even exists but the trepidation of course is you know will anything actually change on the ground fundamentally for people you know will we actually be able to for instance you know um walk you know with a hijab you know, as i'm wearing right now without having to look over my shoulder or you know when we go to uh mosques say for eid prayers or a public gathering are we always not going to have that little bit of nervousness and fear that someone may walk in and do harm. You know, I heard from uh, people and, and women in London, Ontario, for example, who, you know, one lady said that her son, his little young boy, still kind of pushes her into the sidewalk anytime he hears a car that seems to be driving very fast, right? Um, or, um, you know, others who say that when they are in uh, the place of worship in a mosque, you know, they're always checking where are the exit signs just in case they have to make, sadly, a mad dash should an active shooter. You know, and I was in Markham, Ontario, just uh, during Ramadan, where there had been uh, an attack. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but where they were talking now about getting active shooter training for the congregation. So, you know, it's, um, as I said, hope that we can address this this type of fear and anxiety in our communities and and really uh, lean on the fact that you know at least half of Canadians have you know even said in a recent poll um, done by a campaign called sharing halal uh, that I just saw by Maple Lodge Farms that has put out a, a new survey out from Leger uh, which shows that 46% of Canadians say they would want to be an ally to our communities we, we'd like to see the number higher no doubt um, and who've also said that they would like more resources on how to be allies to Muslims. So, you know, we, I think we have to really find our allies. I think we have to stand again in solidarity with other communities facing similar discrimination and fear. And we need to find similar strategies because oftentimes if I'm gonna address, for instance, Islamophobic hate, some of the tools to address it will actually help address anti-Semitic um, anti hate um, or anti-Asian hate. So. We have a lot of opportunity here uh, with uh, this dedicated office to look at this. And I'm hopeful, and I think what I've heard is, as I said, hope 
Um, and we'll try to, through our actions, through results, demonstrate that you know the trepidation can can sub, you know subside, and and we can in, indeed move forward. And you know, I want to I want to end my last question. You know, on that uh, note of hope in terms of the future of, of community engagement, you you mentioned that um, June sixth, twenty twenty three, upcoming will mark the second anniversary of uh, the murder of the of four members of the Zah family and uh, all of the flags in the local uh, school district in the Thames Valley will be lowered at half-mast and uh, school signs will reflect a message of support for quote our London family as the Abzal family uh, has become known. Uh, there are other positive developments related to Muslims in Canada as you know such as the Peel District School Board in Ontario adopting a plan to combat Islamophobia in January 2023. Uh, for people who don't know the Peel Public School Board voted to adopt this landmark strategy saying it's the first in Canada to create a detailed plan to affirm Muslim identities and dismantle Islamophobia. So Amira you know looking towards the future in terms of again just on the note of hope of community engagement. Uh, how hopeful are you uh, or how hopeful are people uh, that you speak with, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, their belief on whether this office can really impact and help combat Islamophobia across Canada? And, and what do you hope to do uh, moving forward into the future uh, as you move into this position even more? Well, absolutely. It's really important to see different levels of government, including and as well as school boards, looking at ways to address Islamophobia. A lot of people don't realize that our communities are extremely young. There is about 1.8 Muslims living in Canada right now. Very, very um, uh, culturally diverse and very young as well. You know, we have uh, over 50% are under the age of 35. Uh, you know, 25% are under the age of 15. So we're very present right through, you know, schools, institutions, universities. And so ensuring that young people and older people and everybody in between is able to fully participate without that fear of Islamophobia is critical. And institutions do have a responsibility um, in ensuring, just as we talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we have to be ensuring that we're also thinking about religious discrimination um, and how we ensure that there is religious literacy, that there is an understanding of the diversity of various communities, and how um, you know the type of discrimination that folks may experience based on their religious identities, how we have to counter that. So even in London, Ontario, um, you know, where I, I plan to be for the second anniversary, and I was there uh, within about a month of taking on this position, um, I heard there how the city of London has put together an anti-Islamophobia strategy um, that they have now hired a anti-Islamophobia liaison officer who's working with communities to work with the city and ensure that um, Islamophobia is addressed at that municipal level. So we have examples where, um, as I said, you know, um, allies, people are coming together, those in, in various uh, responsible positions are recognizing that Islamophobia, just as other forms of hate, really do undermine our collective sense of well-being and cohesion. And we do need to work together to strengthen uh, a pluralistic society where everyone feels they can participate fully. It's, it's just the right thing to do. Amira Al-Zawabi, Canada's first ever special representative on combating Islamophobia. Thank you for joining the Unpacking Islamophobia podcast with us today. Thanks so much, Arslan, for having me on the show. And thank you for watching. For more information, please visit bridge.georgetown.edu. Thank you very much.